0: My name is Sir James, this mic's a little weird, but we're going to work with it, y'all just work with me, but, um, but before I jump into my story, um, I, got, I got a, a poem I want to share with y'all. I want to share this poem with everybody, this is a special moment, because it's, it's my home. Now, I ain't going to lie to you, this poem, I, I call it street poetry, and so basically, I, I, I wrote it with the idea of street preaching, you know what I'm saying, so it's not going to be, you know what I'm saying. Soft and cuddly. is gonna be a little hard. It's gonna hit you a little bit, but it's good. It's good. It's good. But you know, hype me up. Hype me up. Hype me up. Hype me up. Gas me up. Right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right, cool. 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 All right, all right. All right. You say you love God, but do you really? Look, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. But like a loose tooth, the truth hurts when it's pulled from the roots. Jesus is God, worthy to be glorified for all days, but you act like he's just your sugar daddy or some sage. He shows up when you need him, and you think you're glorifying him by just bringing up his name. And so instead of serving him in all your ways, your life is the book, and God is just a page. You say you love God, but do you really? Guided by society, wonder why life feels like a maze. Turn to your feelings only, and find that those lead you astray. I guess that's why Jesus said he is the truth, the life, and the way. Yeah. But following Jesus, that takes steadfast faith. And to be honest, that's a cost you may not be willing to pay. You say you love God, but do you really? Maybe not, but you're still grateful for this unfailing grace that pursues you time and time again. So you say, Lord, I'll always follow you. What you really mean is just every now and then. Because you're seeing praises at church but you won't fit to nothing else you say. And you'll study hours for your classes, but you won't read the verse of the day. (laughs) You you will say you don't plan on having sex, but then you dress like you're halfway. And then you'll watch two hour movies, but you don't spend two minutes to pray. So you say you want to live for God, but it seemed like you satisfied with a taste. Someone passed you the toothpaste so you can smile real pretty, but you still can't hide your waist. And it's a waste that you have no plans to change, but you apologize just in case. You say you love God, but do you really? Because Jesus really loved you to the point of debt by crucifixion. So you can take away all your past wrongs like a fairy tale, but it was nonfiction. But you know that because you believe the Bible. You just don't believe in all of its restrictions. And you love Jesus, you just don't love all of his convictions. (laughs) But how can you ignore what he loves and endorse what he hates? That's a contradiction. Jesus even says himself, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you do not listen. You say you love God, but do you really? You only get to live once, so you think if you live just for God, you'll be wasting your time. But don't you realize that it's God that made the sun rise. And that's free flow. But... (laughs) (laughs) Because even the demons listen, and they shudder at his name. But you only live once, so you think living just for God would make you lame. But YOLO is really just FOMO. The fear of missing out on the fame, the games, and everything that raps and sings. But you're not afraid of missing an angel sing, holy is the king? But one day every knee will bow and proclaim, that worthy to he who came to loose the chains of the broken and stained, or reclaim the pastors from the flames of shame. And his name is Jesus Christ, and he shall forever reign. But you say you love God, but do you really? Because although this God stuff is cool, right now it seems like you're a little bit more focused on school. But don't you realize that tomorrow we'll be sitting at your tomb, where everyone's sitting around with the pastor saying, oh, he accepted Jesus, but nobody could really tell, so now we all just sit the assume. But when you stand face to face with Jesus, will you look him in the eyes and say, Lord, I loved you, even when the road was hard and hilly? But with eyes filled with love and justice, will he look back at you and say, but did you really? Cool, cool, cool. So I'm a thank y'all for listening. Y'all, you great. Good crowd, good crowd. Give yourself a clap. It's good. No, okay, okay. All right. Um, but um, I want I to share a little bit about myself, where I come from, who I am. Um, Jason, thank you for introducing me. You know what I'm saying? He hyped me up a little bit more. He gave me more credit than what I deserve. You know, I thought it was a good sign. But um, but I grew up in uh, what I call the Hood Burbs of Spring, Texas. <laughs> um, and, you know, I had both my parents growing up. We weren't rich. You know, we had just everything we need, just about. Um, but growing up, I played football, ran track. Um, in middle school, I was so slow that the coaches didn't let me go to any of the track meets. And um, I was on C-team football, right? And so it was, it was physically handicapped people on C-team football, so that's, that's all you need to know. But I stayed to it. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was on my varsity track team. Um, I was actually, I became the fast person in my entire school, actually. Um, if you don't believe me, you can come race me, you know what I'm saying, what's, what's up? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, and then I was a varsity cornerback, but that's just a little bit about what my world centered around. But I remember talking to my friends, and we was like, all right, where are we gonna go to college at? You know what I'm saying? And someone was like, you know, maybe we we'll go to U of H, or maybe we we'll go to TSU, you Know, it'd be like, maybe we go to Prairie View. And I was PV, all right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and so, it was like, maybe we go to PV. So, I'm like, bet I got friends that go to PV. Some of my family go to PV. So, I went to my dad and I was like, Dad, I think I want to go to PV. You know, what my dad told me, No, <laughs> that's what he told me. I said, Pop, why? Like, what's wrong with it? He said, Son. I know the type of kid you are, and I don't know if PV is going to be the best place for you to go. Um, And so I said, okay, Dad. Well, I guess I'll go somewhere else. And so instead of going to a historically black college, um, I decided to go to a historically slave-owning college. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which was also the next cheapest college and easiest college to get through. And so I went to Sam Houston State University. Eat them up, cats! Eat them up! (laughs) I went here. And um, one of the best decisions I made, it was was good. It was good, brought me to Jesus. And so it was, when I came to Sam Houston though, just like many of you, I was met by someone who won my heart, won my trust. You know, he was just a brother to me, uh, a better, small than I am now. Uh, <laughs> ain't that the truth though, you know what I'm saying? We just try to do better. Um, but, you know, I remember walking into service here um, and I didn't grow up in church. I didn't mention that, but I didn't grow up in church. It went every now and then, but when I walked in, I was like, this is a lot of new for me. And so, like, first of all, I wasn't used to being in church. Second of all, when I did go to church, I wasn't used to listening to this type of music. Um, and then, third of all, I wasn't used to being around this many white people. <laughs> Say the truth. I was just like, whoa, <laughs> it's a whole new experience. And I also wasn't used to being in an atmosphere where people really loved the Lord and really worshiped Him. And that. Won my heart. Also, my small group leader came. He was black, and so I was like, "He came. He think it's cool. It's cool enough for me too, <laughs> you know." <laughs> hey, you make a difference. So I'm say. But um, but it, it, it changed my life, and um, uh, I I became a small group leader, and I decided that you know what, Lord, I actually think I wanna, I care more about this. i cared about my internships i was taking or anything else and that was just a true reality to me that yo if i'm gonna spend my life with someone i'm gonna spend it for jesus and and so i decided to do the internship decided to be a missionary and i was like that's good it's good and i was like lord i go anywhere you want me to go so i was like lord you want to send me to Africa, I go to Africa. If you want to send me to uh, Middle East, I go to the Middle East, Lord. Like, I want to go to a hard place, don't matter. Like, you want, you want me to suffer in the Bahamas, Lord? I do that. I do it. You know, I bear that cross. But, um, but what's crazy is the Lord, somebody approached me, and they said, have you ever considered going to a historically black college like Prairie View? And I said, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
0: and the reason I laughed was because the my track and football friends I hung out with, I'ma just tell you like they wasn't the type of people that was ready to like hear the gospel. Like they was like, Okay, you go on with that, like <laughs> like I hear you but I don't hear you. And so I'm like, that may not be the first place I wanna go to have a fruitful ministry. That's just my experience. But then as I was kinda laughing in my head, the Lord told me, he brought a verse to my heart, and it was from John chapter one. And it's when Philip went to go find his brother Nathaniel. And he said, I found the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, and he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, from Nazareth? What good thing ever comes from Nazareth? And it was at that moment I realized, it'd be a place like Perryview A&M, Historic Black College, that I assume, only, you know, nothing good would come from there, but that'd be exactly where God would want to show up and exactly where God would want to bring people (laughs) to change his kingdom. And so, and so, like, it really hit me in my heart. And so, it was after that I found out that out of 103 historically black colleges in America, there wasn't a single full-time Chi Alpha team on any of them, um, and it's just not Chi Alpha, It's like all the other ministries too. And um, and out of 110,000 U.S. missionaries, less than one percent were African American. And so I started to realize, shoot, if I don't go, who will? And um, and so the Lord really. Brung my heart, and like I will start reading scriptures and stuff. Man, and this is one scripture I'm gonna talk about it uh, in my sermon, but it's Matthew 9, verse 36. And it's when Jesus seen the multitudes and he had compassion upon them, he said, They are like sheep without shepherd, and so pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And when I read that, you know, it just started hitting me in different ways when I'm like, man, I can relate to that. And um and so the Lord really drove me to like go to P V. But I realized that there's a lot of issues that we face in a black community. You know, plagued by fatherless homes, you know, we lack guidance and look for love in the wrong places. And chained down with like bitterness from, like, past hurts of slavery, like, we harbor that bitterness, and we don't let go of it, and in search of worth and identity, we give up our pursuit of God for pursuit of fame and money, and because we are looking for worth and identity, we also will find ourselves going into all these different ideologies, crazy stuff, y'all, like um, the Muslim Brotherhood, or black Hebrew Israelites, or Third eye chakras, or um, the black woman is God, and um, like who? Like black woman is who? Like right? Like it's crazy. And um, when I first heard that, I was like, <laughs> but then kind of find out I had some of my own cousins that was believing this stuff, and so I was like, you know, dang, that's crazy. But what I realized is that the ideologies are not the issues; it's how unrooted our people had become in the truth of Jesus. And I started to realize that it's a downward cycle that we've been going in, that because of a lack of workers, you don't have any models. You don't have any disciples that are being made. And so then you have a lack of knowledge. We have a lack of knowledge, then people continue to walk away from God. They go further away from God more and more. And it's a downward cycle that's that's getting worse and worse. But Just as we know in Chi Alpha, when you start to add workers to that equation, then you have more disciples and more models. You have more knowledge that keeps going up and up and up. And so I fully believe that the Lord has me on a mission and not just me, but a team to go to Paraview A&M University and not just make disciples that make disciples at Pearview AM University, but through and AM University to every other major HBCU, to every other part of the world that the gospel has not been shared yet. And, and so I, I know the, the potential that we have when you have people who really walk with Jesus, that know how to make disciples, that are going off to be future fathers and future mothers, that's going off to be doctors and lawyers and nurses, that's going off to be pastors and missionaries. What we are doing there and what we are doing here, it won't just stay here, but it will literally transform the world. And so, I've been at PV for about a couple years now Um, and the Lord has been very faithful. Now I normally would have a little like testimonial video that I'll show you, but we got people here from PV tonight. (laughs) And so this is a surprise for everybody, (laughs) surprise for everybody. And so if I can get one person from PV that would come up and just share um, for just about 60 seconds, Uh, What has it been like? How has being part of PV Chi Alpha helped your walk with God? Yeah! With that, that, that cow, that boy! Cam coming through. They didn't know I was going to do this, but they should have known. Gotta keep them, be ready. Keep them on toes come up yeah no? yeah 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 all right cool you got a big challenge on your hands you got 60 seconds <laughs> to, to share everything God's done in your life <laughs> but but specifically just like what has God done in your life here at PV Kyle for like how has it helped you in your walk with God so I try to keep it simple for you
1: Like, in short terms, I'll just say, like, it's helped me to want to reach more people than just reaching myself. Like, at first, I felt like all I needed was God and me, and I could just sit in my room and go through the trials and tribulations of sin like myself. But um, meeting Sir James and Joel, Sydney, Asia, and everybody, and Mariah and everybody, like, it's really made me realize how important it is to reach more people and to show them Jesus because, like, it was a point in time where I was like, I was like really on fire for God, and I was telling Jesus like, like right, I'm ready for you to come back. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to go to heaven. <laughs> like, 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 I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of pain. Not like suicidal and like that, but just like I'm ready to go home. You know? And it was like in that instance, like God had told me He was like, you're like He was like you're not the only one. And so that really has stuck with my heart and it's, it's, it's stuck with me this whole time. So like, that's the reason. I mean i would say that's what PV like has done for me. Like it really just showed me that there's more people that need to know Jesus, more people that need to see like truth and life and all of that type of stuff. That's so. <laughs> right.
0: PV Cuckoo. Oh. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Now, y'all do the Sam Houston thing, too. I used to do that. It's real big and large, you know. Y'all can blow us out. You know, let us have our thing. You know, I appreciate y'all. <laughs> you want to do Sam? Yeah. Sam! You say. Sam! You say. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good, it's good. We both, we both. We're on the same team. It's good. The same team, same team. All right. Um, but... Man I, man, I can't wait till we get the Salt together, man. We're going to all be together. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. You got to show up. You got to go. got to go. Um, but, man, all right, I got about five minutes left. Um, so, <laughs> we got a long ways to go. now. Nah, but, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to pray real quick. I'm going to pray real quick. Uh, Jesus, I just pray, Lord. I just um, I pray that your spirit be with us. Help us to get whatever you have for us to get. We trust you. We need you. In your son' name, we pray. Amen. All right, cool. So, um, can we can we click that first slide? Yeah. Yeah. I that. I click that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 She a week old. she a week old. Um keep click, click the next one. Click the next one. That's my squad. <laughs> P V Finest. That's good. That's good. That's good. Click the next one. Click the next one. That's my squad. Yeah. That's our people. That's our people. I was supposed to show this earlier. Uh click the next one. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Alright, cuckoo. cool, cool, cool. So, so I have a wife, that's what the slide is, uh, and and I love her very dearly, but when I wanted to marry her, I needed to come up with the best way to propose to her, right? And I want her to feel like the most wonderful woman in the entire world, and so I started coming up with these grand ideals, y'all. So, the top two included a monkey and a parachute, right? It was, it was gonna be big. But the truth is, there's a lot of variables, you know what I'm saying? I was like, that could go wrong. And so, but even more important than the delivery, I realized was the gift, right? And so I was like, but what am I going to get her? what type of ring would she want? And so I said, hmm, where do I look? So I started going through a Pinterest when she wasn't looking. (laughs) Right? Didn't help me. It was just too vague. Y'all need to be more specific in there. It was too vague. And then, so I talked to her friends and friends didn't help me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Friends let me down. And so I was out of options. So I said, you know what? Mariah, (laughs) hypothetically speaking, if I was to hypothetically propose to you, what type of hypothetical ring (laughs) would you hypothetically want? And like a good wife, or like a good lady at the time, um, she was like, ah, it doesn't matter. But, if you're gonna get something, I think you know something like a one carat, cushion cut, um, pave road, cathedral, um, diamond would be pretty good. So I said, oh, well, <laughs> thank you for your hypothetical <laughs> answer. And so, as you can guess, I was excited that I now knew what she wanted, but now the pressure's on. <laughs> because now that I know, and she know that I know, <laughs> if I don't come with the ring that she wants, she's gonna to start to kind of question what type of commitment or what is her work to me, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time with my, my, thing, my thing not sliding. Oh, it's gonna to slide today, hold on. All right, we, we good, we in business. And so, and so one day, most of you will find the love of your life. And most, 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 um, and, and you will seek the humble ones, the humble ones will find it, it's good. Stay humble. Good. Uh, so, look around. It's be, your, your chances are higher if you look around. Don't go out somewhere. I'm sorry, you're me off pace. Um, one day, though, and, uh, and you will seek to know what they really care about so that you can make them the happiest person in the world. However, there is a greater love we all have to be mindful of. A love that found you, fed you, and fought for you. A love that gave everything to you so that they could spend all of eternity with you. A love that you didn't do anything to earn, and thus a love you could never do anything to lose. A love that wasn't just a feeling, but an unselfish choice for your highest good. And Jeremiah 31, 3 It says, the Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving devotion. Now, the question is, how do you return this loving devotion back to God? Well, to put it simply, by giving him what he cares most about. But what does the God of the universe care most about? more than anything else. Well, heck if I know. But since Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, we can look at the life, life mission of him and he can tell us what was most important to him, which will show us what was most important to God. And so to go about doing this, I wanted to take us through Jesus' missionary journey and then I want to go at the beginning of his journey, to the middle of his journey, and then to the end of his journey. And so, cuckoo, sweet, sweet. And so, the first stop is at the beginning of his journey that takes us to the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus calls his first disciples, who were fishermen. And it's just one sentence, but it says so much. It's Matthew chapter four, verse 16. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people all right let's say you're back in middle school and you have a little brother um, or a little sister but you catch the bus with, you catch the bus with them every day and um and one day though you come home and your parents are happy to see you, you come home from middle school and he's like hey mom dad and they're like hey good to see you and they're like excited but then they say, whoa, but hey, where's your little brother at? Where's your little sister? And then you're like, oh, they must have fell asleep on the bus. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my parents would have kicked my butt and told me, get out that house and don't come back until you got your little brother or little sister with you. And the truth of that situation is, it's not that my parents don't love me. Or like, it's just that they love my little sister just as much as they love me. And they also expect me to love my little sister as well. And so, you may not be parents yet, but you can understand this analogy pretty well. Now, can you imagine the day when you get to heaven and your heavenly father's gonna be real happy to see you. It's gonna be like, you did it. You did such a good job. You walk with me, you love me, you believed in me, and now you're here. And we get to spend eternity together. But then he says, but wait, where's your little brother? Where's your little sister? Where's your small group person? Where's your small group sister, small group brother? Where's the person that you was around for all of those years? And you didn't, like, bring them with you. And all you can say is, well, God, I guess they must have slept on you. But then God responds, well, why didn't you try to wake them up? Hashtag stay woke. (laughs) Hashtag I'm grateful someone loved me enough to wake me up, invested in me. Um, But that's the first stop. But I want y'all to remember this: whatever God does in you, He wants to do through you. It's good. Whatever God does in you, He wants to do through you. And so Jesus did not call His disciples to follow Him just for their own sakes, but also for the sakes of the people that will help walk, that they will help walk with God. And so, in continuing our journey, that's the first stop. Uh, we're exploring what does the God of the universe care most about. I want to bring us to our second stop that takes us to Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, where we see the one and only prayer requests ever made by Jesus. And this is my verse. Matthew 9:36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. I to send more workers into his fields. So I want to share another quick historical story with you. It's the story of a refugee colony named the Moravians. And, um, and they settled in Europe around the 1700s, and the colony started a 24-hour prayer watch, like nonstop, and it lasted for 100 years. <laughs> and, um, and interesting enough, doing the same prayer watch They also sent over 200 missionaries all around the world, which is very interesting because Jesus said, pray to a Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. The Bible doesn't lie. But I want to zoom in on two specific Moravians that realized that in the 1700s, there was Africans who were being sold into slavery and they were being sent to the islands in the West Indies where they would never have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And they realized that the only way that the government would allow them to go there with no provisions (laughs) is if they sold themselves into slavery. That's like the only kind of workaround that they could do. And so they sold themselves into slavery in order to buy a ticket on the boat. And what's interesting though is when they was on the boat, and they was waving out to their families for the last time that they'll probably ever get to see them. And the last words was, let the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. There are people that will really walk with God, but because of the world that we live in they are led astray and unable to figure out how to walk with God on their own. And it'll take the sacrifice of someone that'll be willing to put in the work that it would take to reach and teach them. Yeah. Interested enough, in the very next chapter from Matthew nine thirty six, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles to proclaim the, the kingdom of God to Jerusalem. And so, you know, he said, I'm going to have somebody to go out. I'm going to answer this prayer. And so our third and last stop I want to take us to is right when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he went to his disciple Peter, and he had a conversation with Peter. And this is the conversation he had. I'm going to jump right to the gun of it. It's John 21, verse 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now when Jesus says feed or in other words, take care of my sheep, you can't really understand the weight of that request unless you have ever taken care of sheep before. Now the help I've Googled the major characteristics of sheep. (laughs) And at the top link, this is what I found. Sheep are, one, timid, fearful, and easily panicked. (laughs) Two, I think you can click. Maybe maybe it won't, it It may not be, you do your thing. But two, (laughs) dumb, stupid, and gullible. Three, don't laugh too hard, you know, it's about bunch uh, of stuff. <laughs> Stampede it easily, vulnerable to mob psychology. Four, little or no means of self-defense, can only run. Five, easily, easily killed by enemies. Six, jealous, competitive for dominance. Look at your neighbor. Seven, easily cast, that is flipped over on their back. Sheep are unable to right themselves and will die of starvation if not turned over by the shepherd. Facts. Eight, need the most care of all livestock. This is no small task that Jesus is asking Peter to do. But he repeats himself three times. And in the Bible, whenever something is repeated three times, it represents the absoluteness, the absoluteness of that statement. And so check this. At the beginning of Jesus' missionary journey, he told his disciples, I teach you how to fish for people. And then in the, around the middle of his missionary journey, his only prayer request was that more workers would be sent into the fields. And then he immediately sends out 12 disciples. And at the end of his missionary journey, he tells Peter three times, if you love me, then feed my sheep. Now, I know I said there's three stops, but there's actually one more stop on Jesus' missionary journey. And it's right before he ascends back to heaven. And it's the very last things that he tells his disciples. And this is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Good clap, good clap. God seen that clap. Uh, but here we see Jesus' missionary journey to win the hearts of people never actually ended with him. Yeah. But it was asked of those who was his true disciples to continue his missionary journey. So going back to Mariah's, wing, Mariah's ring, buying a ring wasn't quick or easy, y'all and no jewelry place would give me like a single dollar of credit, like zero credit. But with anxious, joyful determination, and with long suffering, <laughs> I was able to buy her an engagement ring that consisted of a one carat, high clarity, cushion cut diamond with a cathedral and pave robe. <laughs> right now because I knew that was what she wanted the most. And to me, she was worth it. Likewise, with anxious, joyful determination and long suffering, we should try our best to make disciples. Because that is the thing that God cares more about than anything else in this universe. Because the thing that God cares most about And this entire universe is people. And Kyle Volkmer, a missionary at UTSA, he says in his book, ultimately, discipleship is taking responsibility for what is closest to the heart of God, people. As as simple as that. When you really care about God, you want to take responsibility to what is most precious to him. And so that's what discipleship is. It's you pouring yourself into people, helping them to know God because you realize that at the end of the day, it's God that's going to be the one that help everyone. It's going to be God the one that's going to fix the holes that's in deep within our hearts. We can only do so much. And so by discipling people to walk with God, you're doing what God cares about the most. Now, the truth is, Discipling people, taking care of people, it ain't easy. I told you to eat, right? And to be practical, you gotta share your food, you gotta spend your gas money, and start the way you And it's hard to make time for people, especially when you have episodes of um, cowboy games, if you worship Satan, or (laughs) Texan games if you're not depressed already. <laughs> but then you also have shows, what y'all watch nowadays? The Walking Dead, Grown-ish, Grey's Anatomy, seasons one through 50. The originals. <laughs> what else she said? Chosen. Uh, yeah, Chosen! you you got time for that one? That's good. You got time for that one. But yeah, Demon Slayer, Naruto, One Piece, all these things. What? Where's the time go? Where's the time go? But yeah, 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 yeah. But. But seriously, on a serious note, I heard y'all got, what, mid-week, midterms? I already graduated. (laughs) Barely. But but, (laughs) I'm not going to say what I'm about to say next. Colin told me I can't say whatever I want, but... C's get degrees hey, hey. No, I just, I can't say that I can't say that no 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 no, no no. get A's represent Jesus in your classes <laughs> A's It's good <laughs> um, but yeah I mean where am I at? All right, cuckoo, cool. but on a real note, you got midterms, you have like family struggles, you know, you have a lot going on it can it's a real challenge to be like, you know, God, how do I give you? Give you something that matters most to you, but I have all these other obstacles that I'm facing. And, um, and the truth is, I don't have an answer for you. But I do have a question. And I got this question from a book called The Insanity of God. Yeah. You, you should read it. It changed my life. But there's people all over the world that are being persecuted Yet, they're still walking with God with everything in their heart, and they're still sharing the gospel with everything in their heart because they're asked one question as well. And there's one question they always ask one question I ask you is that, is Jesus worth it? When we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, it says, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus was the greatest man that ever lived, but he only cared about loving you. To the extent that he gave up his throne in heaven, To take your pains on earth. And Caesar found no fault in him. And the lawyer found no flaw in him. And the devil found no pride in him. And the tax collectors found no greed in him. But he endured the shame of the cross for you. Because to Jesus, you was worth, bankrupt in heaven, submitting to sinful parents, denying his own temptations, the devil's propositions, his hometown rejections, the Pharisees' plotting, Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial, Thomas's doubt, the Jews' mockery, the Romans' beatings, the people's spitting, the soldiers' casting, and finally, separation from God, not when he was at his highest point in heaven, but when he was at his lowest point on the cross, where he sacrificed his blameless life to wash away the stains of yours, because to Jesus, you were and you still are worked in one word, everything but who here would say that to them Jesus is worth everything now my fear is i could ask and we could proclaim that Jesus is worthy of everything what our mouths what our hands when we sing songs but we actually can still have ourselves on the throne of what really matters most in our hearts. And so when what you want and, when, and what Jesus wants come to conflict with each other, who gets what they want? You or Jesus? That ultimately just very easily shows who's on the throne of what matters most in your heart. Now, in Matthew chapter 19, we see a rich young ruler come to Jesus And he asked him, teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus told him, sell everything you got and give it to the poor and come follow me. But the very rich young ruler was very rich. And so for him, following Jesus was not worth the cost he had to pay. Ultimately, his unwillingness to sell his possessions revealed that he still had himself on the throne of what mattered most in his heart. But now in John chapter 12, we see a lady named Mary from Bethany. Now she was a true disciple of Christ. She comes to him, not seeking to get something from Jesus, but to give something to Jesus. And I just want us to read it. This is John chapter 12, verse one through seven. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. But then Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Now, in this scene, we see Martha. She caught up in doing stuff. She always doing stuff. And, um, and the other apostles, they trying to figure out how to break prophecy, which you can't do. Prophecy's going to come past. And you see Judas probably trying to figure out what his cut is from the last offering. And then you see Lazarus. He's just glad that he ain't dead no more. You know what I'm saying? He chilling. But then you see Mary. Now, Mary isn't caught up in the business or troubles of this world. She believes Jesus when he says he must die and doesn't try to understand or find a way around that. But instead, she does the best thing that she can do to identify and partake in his suffering. She takes a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anoints Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Now, what you may not know is that this essence of nard, this perfume, it was more expensive than what you think. The cost of this anointment was 300 denarii. Now, 300 denarii in that time was about $56,509 U.S. Dollars of today's time. So that's a year's worth of wages that she saved up in this jar. And the disciples weren't only shocked at the cost of the ointment, but at the fact that she was using all of it. And so that act of devotion was seen as a waste. And Judas openly rebuked her. It was like, what you doing? But what is interesting is back with the rich young ruler, Jesus told him to sell his possessions and give to the poor which is what Judas said she should have done. But Jesus was quick to defend her. So what was the difference? The difference is, ultimately, Jesus was not moved. Jesus was moved. It wasn't by the pouring of the substance, but Jesus was moved by the pouring of her heart. Jesus could see that Mary loved him, but the rich young ruler only wanted to use him, and so as the worship team comes back, as followers of Jesus, we're called to make disciples, but you know, God, the reason you know God the way you know God right now, is because someone else was faithful to Jesus. And if you've been around the Catholic family, not only did someone tell you about Jesus, but you've seen the love of Jesus. And that's why we call ourselves Christ ambassadors, because we are the ambassadors of Christ to show his love. Now, Jesus called every Christian to make disciples, But we don't do it to inherit eternal life. We do it because God sits on the throne of what matters most in our hearts. And there's no cost too high, nor distance too far. We would go so that the Lamb that was slain will receive the reward of his suffering. But again, I ask you, what is Jesus' word to you? Will you respond to God's love and devotion? to you with your own love and devotion back to him? Will you let Jesus be on the throne of what matters most in your heart? Will you let what he has done in you be done through you? Will you let the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering? Will you take responsibility for what is closest to the heart of God? Will you with anxious, joyful determination and long-suffering find, feed, and fight for his lost lambs? Will you take the next step he's asking you to take? Very practically speaking, is he worth suffering to partake in his mission to reach the world? Is he worth being judged by bringing his name up during your daily conversations? Is he worth rejection when inviting people to a service or small group? Is he worth going through some training to learn how to reach people is it worth giving your best, even though you may not succeed. So I believe for all of us, we can all say we all have the potential to really have God on the throne of what matters most in our heart. And each of you in here have your own experiences. You have your own trials that we're all going through. But I can tell you, when you take your eyes off your own problems and you cast them on Jesus and you say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to make you the priority of my life. You will find that Jesus is a better friend than you. If you would put Jesus first, he will help you with everything that you're going through. Classes and Jesus are not against each other. If you will put Jesus first, he will help you with everything else in your life. But if you choose something over him, you're saying, I don't need you, God. Or very simply, you're saying, God, you matter, but not more than myself. I love you, but not at my own expense. And I'm just saying, like, when when the Lord asked me to go to peer review, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how he was gonna do it. I just knew that he was worthy. And when I became a small group leader, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't know how I was gonna do it. I just knew he was worthy. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't know how to read my Bible. I didn't really know how to pray. I didn't really know about going to church and none of this. I just knew he was worthy. And so if you can see in your heart that Jesus is worthy, you will take every next step that he's asking you to take, no matter where you're at. And as I close, I want to say that when we talk about pouring our hearts out for Jesus, he doesn't just want us to pour out our hearts, but he wants us to pour out our needs. He says, those who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I give you rest. Jesus is our father and he's our friend. He's our king. And whatever we need, he's there to take care of us. And so I wanted to go into a time of just worshiping God. And as we worship God, I want to encourage you, I'll give you the freedom. You can move around, you can get into your small groups, there will be people along the sides that will pray with you if you want prayer. But ultimately, we have to start with the heart of God. We have to say, God, I see that your heart is for people. And God, I want to help reach people, not because I'm worthy, not because I know what I'm doing, but because you're worthy. And if you if you have to wait to try to reach someone else with Jesus until you have it all together, then you would never do it. And if you feel like you're not worthy, then you're right because you're not. (laughs) But he is. And so. just do it just do it and so Jesus carried the cross for our sins so I want our next step to be to carry our butts out of our seats and then the next step after that should be carrying his love wherever we are and wherever he wants us to go not because we are worthy but because he is worthy so I'm going to pray and then the team. Yeah, all got it. Jesus, we love you, Lord. And God, we just thank you for moving in our hearts. And God, we just declare that you are worthy, God. And yeah, God, Father, we are not worthy, but Jesus, that you've loved us with an everlasting love, God. And you've drawn us with love and devotion, Lord. So, Father, we want to return that devotion to you, God. Not because we want to inherit eternal life, but because we want to be with you. Because we want to walk with you. Because we love you, Lord. So would you work in our hearts and would you walk with us, not just now, but as we walk out of this building, Lord. Would you stay with us in Jesus name. Amen.